When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Happy New Year. Welcome to Talking Real Money, the podcast. I'm Don McDonald. Glad you tuned over. Thanks for listening. We're going to start today's podcast off with a little bit of end of the year and beginning of the year housekeeping, money keeping, investing keeping. First, last year was a very good year. Way too good. It can't always be like that. You need to know that. I mean, the S&P 500 is up like 28%. Now, international markets didn't do nearly as well, so those of you with globally diversified portfolios are going, well, why the heck didn't I put all my money into the U.S. market? Well, the reason is because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Remember? We don't know that. And we do know that stocks go up more than they go down. We just don't know which market's going to go up more than the other ones, which ones are going to go down less. So we own them all so that you don't have a situation like you had in the 2000s where you had all your money in the S&P 500 for a decade and you made nothing. As a matter of fact, you lost 1% per year. So keep doing what you're doing globally diversify. The whole point is to reduce the volatility. And by reducing volatility, I know you don't like to hear this, but that means it reduces on the upside as well as the down. That's the idea. You want to keep that portfolio in a more narrow range. So while you saw great things happen last year for the S&P 500, that's not the norm. And as the year has begun, we've seen that. We've seen the markets react badly, particularly to the fear of a war with Iran. And again, this is an unpredictable thing. Do we know? No. Do we know what might happen? No. Can we look back at the past and make some interesting guesses? Yes, we can. Uh, Wars don't necessarily... In fact, they don't often negatively impact the stock market unless, I guess, if the United States was attacked across its borders or if there was a nuclear attack, that could negatively impact stocks for a while. But the Iran, the se- not Iran, the second Iraq war, people were wringing their hands over that in 2001 right up until, you know, after 9-11 up, uh, and into 2002, right up until the first cruise missiles started falling on Baghdad. Then the stock market soared like that. So you can't know what's going to happen. It always comes back to this same message. You cannot know. Yeah, great year last year. Will it be a bad year this year? Don't know. Could be a great year again. Could be a mediocre one could be terrible. We don't know. That's why we diversify. That's why you own some bonds. They're stable. That's why you have overseas stocks. 
They don't always react in lockstep as we saw last year, and that means they don't always go up in lockstep as well as don't always go down in lockstep with U.S. prices. So keep doing what you're doing, please. And let's take some questions. We've got a couple of written ones and a called-in one. And let's start with a really quick written one. Actually, both of the written ones are pretty quick. We're going to do a written, then a call, then a written. This one comes from the uh, Seattle area. And the question is about rebalancing. And here's the message. I can easily rebalance my portfolio once a month without any direct fees. Should I do so that often? Why? Why not? Well, the research shows little or no benefit in doing so. We don't suggest it because of costs, though. We believe that the transaction costs can outweigh the benefit because you're having, if you did it monthly, you'd be having these little transaction costs all along the way, and that sucks down your, your returns. If you can do it without direct fees and you do it with discipline, that's the key. The problem is when you start doing it that often, you end up second-guessing a little bit. Like, you know, if you, you were getting ready to get out of stocks on January 2nd or 3rd, you may have said, I'll wait a couple of days and see if the market bounces back up a little bit. Then you've lost the discipline. Then you've lost the structure. Then it becomes market timing. Then you really do have the potential to mess it up a lot. So if you can do it and you do it on a set date, and you don't deviate, don't have any fees, knock yourself out. Might be better just to compromise, though, and consider doing it quarterly, semi-annually, quarterly, whatever. It's not going to make that big a difference either way. It's just a discipline, and the discipline is critical. 855-935-TALK is our phone number, 855-935-8255. If you want to call, if you want to send in questions, you can send those in at TalkingRealMoney.com slash contact uh, or contact something. Just look at the contact button. Okay, forget the slash thing. Just hit the contact button. That's easier. But call your questions in because then we take them. We put them in the podcast. I answer them. And um, you can do that 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Hi, Don. This is uh, John. My question is, is I'm working on my retirement plan with 11 years to go. And I also know that how important it is on how I withdraw the money, whether it's annually or monthly, can make a big difference. And I know, uh, I seem to remember that you stated that your plan was to take all the money up front uh, annually, and then you would spend that money for the rest of the year. And I wanted to know your rationale for that, because since it's opposite to, to the investing advice, which is to get in as soon as possible. So that being my question, Don, the sort of the only other uh, other pertinent information would be, um, you know, you guys often say that uh, the market goes up more than it goes down. And I guess my rationale for for questioning this is, is that if you take all the money in uh, as cash, you're not uh, earning any uh, any returns on that money because you, you've taken it out of the market. So anyway, that was my question, Don. Thanks. Bye. That's sort of the, the, the inverse of the previous question. When I'm taking it out, how often should I take it out? I'll give you my reasoning. And again, it's for simplicity's sake. And we do a lot. We suggest a lot for the sake of simplicity. Because 
there's a lot to be said for saving our sanity. And when we're giving advice and suggestions, we're doing it to a very, very broad audience. And a lot of people aren't interested in sitting down every month and, and doing a withdrawal from their portfolio to fund their lifestyle. There are a couple reasons, though, why I love the idea of once a year for most people, and I'm generalizing. First and foremost, if you take a, a distribution, the lump sum for the year, your 5% or 4% plus inflation or whatever it is, and you put it in a money market mutual fund or a high-yielding money market account, and some credit unions and the like have those, so you're still earning market-like fixed income rates, then you know exactly, almost to the penny, how much money you have to spend in the next year. It makes budgeting oh so simple. And that is important to a lot of people because nothing there's nothing worse than getting to the end of the year and going, oh, I don't have enough money to pay the bills. This way you can plan ahead. That's one of the reasons I like it. And you're right. The market does tend to go up or has tended to go up more than it has gone down. But when you are at the end, you're in a distribution phase, not an accumulation phase. Those downturns, the downturns that the market does experience start to become more painful. I'll give you an example. Let's say uh, we had a great year last year and you took out your lump sum and you spent it, you would have had a pretty decent chunk of change from the good year we had last year. But what if over the next 12 months, every single month, the market went down dramatically? Where you had thought at the end of last year, well, I'm going to have 100000 to spend. Now, over the course of the year, you may only end up with 90000 That means that you've got to start cutting your expenses along the way. Yeah, it can work the opposite, but all that other stuff is like found money. When you're getting to the point where you're taking withdrawals, for most people, a slighter, a slight, slighter, a slighter degree, a little bit more certainty is generally preferred. That's why a lot of people go to annuities. So this is sort of, I guess, just finding middle ground between taking your money and putting it in an annuity with an insurance company uh, and just taking it out as you need it. It's a compromise. It's not perfect. None of the solutions are perfect because we have this gaping hole in our knowledge. And that hole involves the future. As I keep saying, we can't know it. So therefore, we have to plan based on what's best for us and most comfortable for us. Now we have one more pretty darn quick question. And uh, let me pull it up here. Hi, Tom and Don. About a year ago or so on the radio show, I believe it was Tom that spoke a little about his concerns about doing business with Morgan Stanley and similar companies. Try as I might, I haven't been able to find this segment online. So I was wondering if one of you or both, if you'd like, could answer a few questions I have. I'm doing it. Tom's not here. One. What exactly is Morgan Stanley? Is it a broker-dealer? What is a broker-dealer? Yes, it's a broker-dealer. It's actually a dual-registered financial firm. They're registered as a broker-dealer. That means they trade in stocks and bonds and other securities. 
they buy and sell stocks and bonds for themselves and for their clients. That's a broker-dealer. They're also now a registered investment advisor. That means under the law that they're supposed to act in the client's best interest. And your next question is, why are they not really a true fiduciary? Well, that's the problem. If they were always acting in their capacity as a registered investment advisor, in other words, not selling things with commissions, they were only giving fiduciary advice. They were only there to help you manage your money in the best way possible, which would mean, for example, two funds, two identical funds, two S&P 500 funds. One has a commission of 5%. The other is no load. One has an annual fee of a half a percent. The other has a fee of 0.5%, I'm sorry. Which one would a fiduciary be required to suggest you go into? The cheaper one, the no-load 0.05% one. But in their capacity as a broker-dealer, they can put you in the loaded S&P 500 fund with the higher fees because they only have to put you in something suitable. And as you can see, since they're both S&P 500 funds and they, you, we're assuming you meet those suitability requirements, they've done what they needed to do. That's why they're not a true fiduciary. Anything else I want to add? Yeah, there's a lot I want to add. Most of the financial services firms in America, most of the people who call themselves financial advisors are duly registered or may not even be required to act as a fiduciary ever. So it behooves you to be extremely careful. You need to, one, make sure they're fee-only, fee-only, 100% of the time. Ask them, do you ever charge commissions? If they say yes for anything, insurance, anything, go away. run away. You don't need them. You should get insurance from someone who does insurance. You should, get, you should get investment advice from someone who always has to act in your best interest. How can you figure these things out? That is why I created several years ago an advisor interview form. Ask if your advisor is an honest, upstanding advisor, why would they have a problem filling out a piece of paper, explaining how they're compensated, and asking them politely, would you mind signing a fiduciary pledge that you will always act in my best interests? If they refuse, for whatever lame reason they give you, our legal department will not allow us to do that, sir, um, or ma'am, Go find somebody else. It's not like there's not a shortage of good financial. Well, okay, there is a shortage of good financial advice. There's not a shortage of financial advice out there. So be careful. All right, there we go. We got the new year off to a rousing start. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I have a couple of huge favors. One, please tell other people we do want to build the audience. We do want to help more people deal with money more sensibly. Two, please subscribe to the podcast, particularly through Apple Podcasts, because for some reason, subscribing helps push us up higher in the popularity rankings, and then we'll get more listeners. So 
That's all I have for you. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can visit us anytime at TalkingRealMoney.com. You can get tons of great information there. We've got a bunch of videos there. We've got podcasts, of course, there. We've got the advisor interview form there. We have, uh, what else do we have there? Oh, you can send us a note, ask questions, all kinds of stuff. Oh, you can even meet with one of our advisors. And let me tell you, we just had a meeting about this just before the first of the year. Our advisors will absolutely spend time with you, even if you don't meet our requirements to be a client, even if you never plan to be a client, because we want to educate everybody. No, we will not manage your money for life for free, but we will do that for free. And I promise you, I make a solemn promise to you, you will not get sales pitched. Thanks for listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. Realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?